Am I good, Dad? Oh, yeah. Morning, Summer Church. Morning. Name's Dante Cook. I'm one of the elders here. And I cannot believe, this kind of makes me feel old, but I have not preached in front of a church in 10 years since I was in college. I did, went back and dated to the last time I had done this, and this has been a while. So I'm going to need your encouragement today. Yeah. I'm going to need you all to work through this with me. <laughs> and I'm going to need you guys to start warming up your thumbs. Either lick them, I don't know how you can do that with your mask, because we're going to be flipping a lot through here. Okay? And my style is that I'm going to hit you with a lot, and for one of the reasons that I talk to you, talk to you about today. I just want to start off with a word of encouragement. This is just outside of my sermon. Because as I'm reading through things and I'm studying things, in Hebrews 12, you look through the hall of faith. And us as Christians, we don't always get to see the fruit of the good work that we work for. Right? Many of the people it talks about in that story died or didn't get to see the fulfillment of what they were longing for in their lifetime. And um, I got a text message uh, late on Friday night uh, from one of the guys on my team from his acceptance letter to Purdue University. Um, yeah. from Purdue College yeah. High School. And so that's a huge praise for this kid specifically, kind of what they're doing at Purdue Polytechnic High School. It's incredible. There were 47 kids from that school that were selected to come into the class next year, their first graduating class. More than IPS has sent to Purdue in the last seven years. Wow. That's a praise. Yeah. So I just want to leave that there, start up that off there. We're wrapping up our series on spiritual formation, where we've been talking about identity, that which informs our calling, the authority that we have in Christ, which Tim just talked about. And the question at the heart of all of this sermon series is how do we become like Jesus? I'll be kicking off a two-week series, finishing off on intentional formation. And my prayer is that we learn to shape our hearts, our souls, and our minds with all of our strength through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let me pray really quick. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We pray that we would rest on it, that we would rely upon it, that we would yearn for it, that we would long for it, that we would need it to sustain us to get through our days, Lord, that we would put away all the things that are from the kingdom of self, the kingdom of society, and the kingdom of Satan for your kingdom, Lord, that we would practice the way says in your word that you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord. We want to follow you. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. We pray that we would turn away our thinking today, change our minds, renew our minds to be transformed into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So really quickly, formation is a human thing. It's not a Christian thing. Let's start that off, okay? It's a human thing and not a Christian thing because we are always becoming. As a human, you're never in a state of stasis. You're always changing. So the question isn't whether or not you're being formed, it's who or what you're being formed by and who or what you're being formed into. Okay, let's just set the standard, let's set that as the baseline today. And the person you become is the culmination of thousands of tiny, seemingly insignificant, small details and decisions that accumulate over time and compound to create a life. Okay, so this image that we're gonna be going through, I hope that you all take notes today, because you ain't going to remember everything I'm saying. Trust me. I'm coming at you a lot, okay? But we want to talk about the formation flywheel. So if you're, you're going to doodle anyway, because I know I'm going to get boring, okay? But draw this on a sheet of paper. Draw a triangle for me if you can. On the three points of the triangle, put believe, do, in the other corner, believe, do, and who, with you at the center. That is what I call the formation flywheel. 
We are a coronation of the stories that we believe, the things that we do, and who we follow. That is our spiritual formation. That is the formation of flywheeling. If you want to put a little arrow between the two things, that goes to show that it isn't a one-time thing that stops. It's continually happening, right? They're continually reinforcing each other, okay? So those are the things we're going to have to go and shape. That's what we're getting into today. That's next week. This week, we're going to learn about some football, okay? Football. Judah got hype, okay? Yeah. Okay? All right. So, really quick side story. I was golfing with my in-laws, brother-in-law, father-in-law a couple weeks ago. And they always say, like, man, like, you should really hit with this club because, you know, eventually when you learn how to hit, that's not going to be the right club. I play better with a 7-iron, a pitching wedge, and a putter. That's all I have. Like, dude, it's a far five, 500. Nope. I can only hit the 7 wedge. So, I'm going to give you today what's in my bag, which is football. I'm a former player. I know what's in my bag. So, I'm going to give you stuff that I know, okay? This conversation really quick about Nick Saban versus Bill Belichick, who's the greatest coach of all time. Simple, let me set on the debate for you. Bill Belichick. Much harder to win in, no, 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 but we don't need to get into this debate. Much harder to win in the NFL, trust me. But the reason that I say that, there was a book that came out by Mike Lombardi, it's called Gridiron Genius. And he worked for Bill Belichick as a GM and a head of operations for a long time. Bill Belichick has notes from every player Every coach, all of their tendencies, all of their play calls from every game back when they're in college, in high school, that they've ever done and played. And we'll review that for every coach, every player, every person, every week that they play. He is intimately familiar with his opponent. That's why Bill Belichick's the best. So he can go, hey, I remember that play he tried to hit on me in 2006 to guard and defend against it in 2020. It's really remarkable, okay? But Tom Brady is the GOAT, that really matters, okay? You see Tampa Bay doing well, okay? Let's, let's, let's talk about that. But as I was praying and studying for this, and knowing my own tendencies when it comes to spiritual formation, I wanna get into the X's and O's, right? I wanna talk about the spiritual disciplines, about scripture reading, about prayer, about fasting, about, uh, about silence and solitude, meditation, right? Scripture memorization and worship. And a keystone passage I want us to meditate on is this. Deuteronomy 6, turn there, verses 1 through 6. Okay? Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord of our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. That is our keystone passage that I want you for the next week to meditate on, to think about. I want you to go down a few verses after that. where He's talking about writing it on his doors, talking about it, walking about it, thinking about it, put it on the gate, put it in the bathroom, put a sign above the toilets, you know. Anyways, he didn't say that, but okay. I want it to be on our hearts. But before we get into that and we get into the formation of flywheel, let's study our opponent, Satan. 
Okay, the opening line of Usual Suspects, the movie from the 90s, is, is what? Who, who's seen that movie? Give me feedback. What's the opening line? That he never existed. That's right. Yeah. And Western society and culture would have us to believe that all we see is all that there is, right? Through deductive reasoning, through scientific method, through having a hypothesis, we can boil the world down to everything that we can wrap our arms around and what we can see. But science has proven that we're pattern-matching creatures and can completely miss obvious things, even supernatural things. We've all seen that video with the guy you're trying to count the passes, right? And then there's a British guy who's like, did you see the moonwalking bear? Right, there's one with the moonwalking bear going through there. And you don't see it, right? We completely miss it. There's another one where the doctors were given a series of brain scans, and in the back of the scan, there's a giant gorilla in the back. And so these doctors were so trained to look at these images to look for specific patterns that they missed the gorilla in the picture. It was, it's really funny, because they're much smarter than you and I, all right? Zay's a doctor, trust me. We've been in small group together for six years, okay? But C.S. Lewis says, every square inch in mere Christianity is claimed by God. There is no neutral. Every square inch is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Christian, the Bible is very clear about the devil in the story. He's the central antagonist. Second page of the Bible, he's there. Second to last page of the Bible, he's there. Before Jesus goes out and does ministry, who's there? The devil, okay? We need to be very clear about our opponent, lest we continue to go in this circle of being frustrated of why we are not being formed into Jesus. New year, new goal, new you, new plans. I'm gonna read my Bible every day this year. It gets hard. I'm gonna ask you that at the end of January, see where we're at. Because there's a force against us. We gotta recognize that. We gotta be aware of our opinion. Okay. And just like you can try your way to running a marathon, you will not be born into the image of God without a plan, a game plan, a strategy. We must train at game speed as if we had an opponent. Okay, so let's create a scouting profile, okay? That's what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna do. Everyone, anyone see the bills yesterday? William and Mary guy, Sean McDermott. Mike Tomlin, William and Mary guy, okay? Joe Brady, 30-year-old head coach you're looking for, William and Mary guy, okay? I wasn't as good at football as some of the other guys that I played with, but I think I can help us create a scouting profile. So a few things we're gonna go through today. Who is Satan? What is his desire? What are his tactics? And how do we defend against him? Four questions. Who is Satan? What is his desire? What are his tactics? How do we defend against Satan? And I don't want to make this whole thing about Satan because, again, when we talk about praying and resisting the devil, I love what Tim pointed out. Nowhere in the Bible does God tell us to fight Satan. He calls us sheep. Sheep aren't very good fighters. Sorry, I know you want to think like we're Christ's warriors. You ain't a warrior. You're a sheep. Okay? And we just follow whoever the heck we see. That's why there's sheep in wolves' clothing. There's even a story about sheep walking off the edge of a cliff and they all just started running off the edge of a cliff in Ireland or somewhere like that where they have real sheep, okay? Okay, it says resist the devil, right? It says stand firm. It says pray. It says sow the word in your heart. Hide the word. It doesn't say to fight. Okay, so let's change our strategy a little bit. 
Let's start off with who is Satan. Let's go to Ezekiel 28. Black Bible today, it's on page 692. If you got the Bible out, go ahead and flip to that thing. Okay. I should have put sticky notes on this. Someone who's like more organized would have just put the little tabs on there. Make it easier. Ezekiel 12, or 28, 12 through 16. Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord, you were a signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. Carbuncle, ooh. And crafted in gold were your settings. In your engravings on that day, you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed, anointed, guardian cherub I placed you you were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of stones of fire you walked you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you in the abundance of your trade you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned so I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and I destroyed you O guardian cherub from the midst of the stones of When we go back to the beginning, Satan was there. Who is Satan? Satan was the anointed one, was the guardian chair. He was so, talks about his splendor, talks about his beauty. And in other verses in the Old Testament, it talks about his wisdom and how he was the most wise. That is who we're dealing with. We go to Luke 4 really quick. Let's keep flipping. I'm telling you guys, I told you guys, we won't be Bible literate today. <laughs> Literate. Okay. Starting in verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. This world that we're in, the things that you see, okay, it's a temporary past. Now, Christian, let me understand, let me explain to you. In Job chapter 1, he does come up and, and God pleads, uh, Satan pleads with Job and says, hey, can I attack Job? Right, God gives him permission. God has granted Satan authority for this moment in time over this world. Do not be fooled as to the world that we live in and who owns it in this moment in time. Ephesians 6 says, we do not fight against flesh and blood. For principalities and rulers of evil in cosmic places understand that there is a force diametrically opposed to your spiritual formation. 
all that you see is not all that there is. Can I get an amen? amen. Whew. Jesus refers to him in John 14.30, John 12.31 as a liar, as a murderer, as a deceiver. Lying is who he is. It comes out of his character. That is who Satan is. Okay? What is his desire? Isaiah 14. Let's flip. Let's flip. Come on. Man, we flipping today. Flipping. Jackson, I'm doing better than I thought I was. It's the pacing and moving and rocking. We had serious talks about this, whether I'd be able to stay within the frame. Anybody who knows me knows that I get, can get animated. So, get this. This is where it starts to get into the next part about his desire. What he craves, what he wants. And I'm going to show us that the things that he wants aren't too dissimilar for the things that you and I want. How we have to guard against that. All right, Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That's a lie. Talks about the devil speaking out of lies. Lies are part of his character. What we're going to go to in Genesis 3 in a second is going to reveal that. Because if you go back to the garden scene, Genesis 2, when God is creating us, he said, let, what does he say? Let us make them in whose image? They were, we're already like God. They were already like God. Yeah. That wasn't the lie. Was to become like God. Christian, we are like God. The devil wants you to believe that you are God. That you can become your own God. And that's what's best for you. Not that you're like God, that you can become God, that you are God. It's funny that the devil likes to use, not sticks. If somebody was a good liar, I'm not a very good liar. Okay, every like holiday season, we play like these little games as families and stuff, and you got all these like weird ones. You're supposed to like, like sort of lie, you know, like tell the truth, like have teams. What's that one game where you use like a sheriff and you've got mafia. mafia, that sort of thing. I'm, I'd be terrible at that game. <laughs> terrible. Okay? And it's because I'm so obvious, right? I'm, I'm a big guy anyway, you know. It's like when I used to try to sneak downstairs like get cookies and stuff, I'm like, I'm so big. The floor is creaking. Every cabinet opens like Dante, I know you were here. Okay? <laughs> I'm just not a good liar. Okay? One of the things about being a good liar is being deceptive, is being imperceptible, right? Dallas Willard says, notice how Satan tried to tempt Eve, not with a stick, but with what? An idea. So 
something that's small, something that's imperceptible, something that we can't see, something that we can't notice. Ideas are powerful. One of the greatest movies of the 20, all time, let's be real. Let's keep it real, okay? Inception. Can we be real? Cobb is a great representation of the devil. He says, what is the most resilient parasite? Bacteria, a virus, an intestinal worm, that's disgusting. An idea resilient, an idea is resilient, highly contagious. Once an idea has taken hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. The smallest idea can grow if it can, it can grow to define you or destroy you. The most powerful idea generation machine in human history is the internet. Check out your screen time. Where are you getting your ideas from? Devil used to have to pick off people one by one. He didn't have a connected network that was distributed in open source technology that he could just copy down and give it to everybody and put it in everybody's pocket in their hand. If you don't think that the devil would leverage social media and society and advertising platforms to try to influence us, to try to whisp us away, and, and Peter, and at the end, in Luke, uh, Luke chapter geez, 22, verse 31, he says, can I sift Peter away from the faith? Can I sift Peter away from the faith? He wants to pull us away from our faith. I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, and I've really worked really hard over the last three months to change this, what's the first thing that you touch? My Bible. Good answer. Good answer, Pastor. You think about that song, he's got the whole world in his hands, he got the whole world. The kids trying to doing all this, right? Who has the whole world in their hands now? You do. Every bit, we had quiet streets last week. When I was looking online and all the stuff that was going on, then I looked out my own window and the streets are really quiet, okay? But almost most people in society absorb every amount of anxiety, anger, frustration that surged from the streets in D.C. through the U.S. Capitol building with seemingly quiet streets in our midst, in our backyards. I'm telling you, these forces against us, formation is hard because the anti-formation vehicles are stronger than they've ever been before. You're all freaked out after you see that Netflix documentary and the people that created it were like, yo, I don't know what I created. This stuff shapes us, changes our behavior, changes our minds more than we ever thought or believed in the past. A couple thoughts about the iPhone. It's an iPhone, not an iPhone. Let's just point that out. But I can customize my feed. I can customize my comment, uh, content. I can follow anyone, anywhere, anytime. When I'm on YouTube and I get done with the video, it goes, would you like to watch this? I'm like, oh my goodness, how did you know that? Starts the countdown in the next video. I'm like, oh, I'm sucked in. Okay? I can put on my AirPods, listen to my iTunes, 
completely ignore everyone around me as I listen to my self-help podcast. It's all about you. The world wants to put you at the center. Customer said the most important, Jeff Bezos said the most important thing is the what? The customer. He's going to customize everything, make it so easy for you to enter into his kingdom, to subscribe. You don't even have to think about it. That idea is pervading our lives, that we can be our own gods, that we can be our own kings. Society would tell us that if we just impeached a president or we got a house majority or we created an alternative money supply that's completely removed from the fiat money printing system that has untethered you know, uh, money printing and there's a fixed supply, Bitcoin ain't gonna save you, okay? All my Bitcoin is out there, all right? Bitcoin ain't gonna save you. We need to exchange our news feeds with the good news. We need to snap back to reality. And for all of you guys who are over like 30, right, you guys just thought of the Eminem, right? All right? I didn't say Snapchat back to reality for all of you people under 30, okay? The word is real. The word is real. These are part of Satan's tactics. And it's interesting that we need to snap back to reality because we view everything online through a filter. It's been filtered, it's been curated, it's been changed, it's been shaped, it's been more. I love Jesus' Sermon on the Mount because it keeps it so real. You know what it assumes? The Sermon on the Mount assumes that there are people that are poor, there's sadness, there's proud people, there's unmerciful people, there's a lack of peace, there's persecution, there's anger. There's divorce, there's lust, there's people not keeping promises, there's retaliation, there's enemies and hate, there's needy people, there's anxiety, Matthew 6, there's judgmental people. Does that feel like your feed, or does that feel more like reality? That feels more real to me than what you see online. God's kingdom is real, God's kingdom is true. And why do we even need the binge movie? This is one of the things I've been getting into scripture and reading more and more. God's word is so epic. That's one of the things that's cool about the Lord of the Rings or whether you Chronicles of Narnia, that it tries to like bring a shape around like these stories about God and how epic they are and the big battles that there are. If you read the Bible, you don't need to binge. You don't even watch 300. You can go to Gideon. That's the original. <laughs> you got spies, you got prostitutes, you got invading kingdoms, invading other kingdoms, you got people that are shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten. You got snakes, you got whales swallowing people. You got a loaf of bread feeding the community. Why binge other things? Not only the word of God is more true and real. The word of God is epic. And I want to challenge you to this. These little fishermen from this small town would have never left their small town, the disciples, right? These people would have stayed within this small little block. They never would have left St. Clair. They never would have left Woodruff Place. They never would have left Windsor Park. 
God called them to movements of thousands of people in the largest cities and places in the world. God's call to follow him is not a boring life. It's an adventure. God, may you shape our hearts so that we can see the words in your Bible, not only to be true, but to be as epic as they really are. Do we want to live the office space life? Or do we want to be a part of a story where there's dragons and there's fire and there's... This is a cool story. Let's see it for what it is, okay? All right. Starting to try to land the plane here, okay? Where are we at? One of the things that I want to call out that is so interesting to us, or to me, let's go back to Genesis 2 really quick. Genesis 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge and the good of good and evil. One of the things that when we often talk about the scripture, and God says, eat of any tree in this garden as much as you like, is that we have the option of choosing life. Everyone talks about the, the other tree and completely neglect the tree of life that was there next to the other tree. That goes to our hearts. Because, really quickly, flip with me again. Lest you don't believe that this can't be us. Whew. Numbers 11, verse 4. This thing was so interesting to me, it just blew my mind when I saw this and I read about this. We have the choice between life and death, life to the full. John 10, 10, Jesus said, there's a thief that comes to kill and to destroy, but I came that may have life, that they may have life and life to the what? There's always this dichotomy, right? You have a choice at life and you have a choice at death. You can choose from the tree of life, eat as much of it as you want to. And there's also the tree of knowledge of good and death, which will certainly lead to death. Numbers 11, verse 4. Whew. Now the rabble that was among them, quick context, quick background on this. Israel had just had the Red Sea. They just escaped through the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness. Now they start to complain. Right? We, they have a miracle every day for, for manna, right? For manna, manna from heaven, which is, in my mind, I don't know about you, delectable bread. So you see, bread, I would love to have been back there in the Israel time, because if any of you guys know me, I'm a, like, sucker for bread. 
Like, I, it, like a good biscuit, I used to go by when I drove to the office, um, Hardee's on Washington Street. And Hardee's is one of the best things in America, okay? Because there's people that come in there and make biscuits from scratch every morning at 4.30, okay? It's not that processed stuff from scratch. There's somebody in there putting some love in there. Go to Hardee's and get a biscuit. I don't want to hear that Chick-fil-A's biscuits are better because they're not. That's not their core product. Okay? But Numbers 11, 4, they're receiving a miracle from God. They had just come from, obviously, the greatest miracle. God had showed them plagues and signs and wonders and delivered them from 400 years of slavery. And they're getting daily sustenance, which is also a miracle. But here we are. Numbers 11, verse 4. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel left again and complained. Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And now our strength is dried up and there's nothing but this manna to look at. Given the choice of life and death, we would rather choose death and go back to slavery. We would rather choose death than life if that means that we have power and control. That is unbelievable. That blew my mind. They would rather go back into slavery. Eve would rather have eaten from the tree of knowledge and good and evil, which would surely lead to death. Oh, surely not lead to death, liar. Slip that in there, a little slip. Then choose life. Tells a lot about us and our own hearts. Okay, last couple things. Write some things down because the devil also likes to come and snatch the word. The parable of the sower, Matthew 13, verses 19. There's a couple of different versions in there. You can go to a version of Luke, you can go to a version of Mark. But Matthew 13, verse 9. Actually, hmm. yeah, let's just stick in one chapter, one more book. Y'all like Dante, my thumbs are tired. No, you're not. I've seen you scrolling. The thumbs are working when you're, when you're not here in church. Don't play. Matthew 13, verse 9. The devil comes to snatch the word. Talk, call him a word snatcher. Word snatcher. Oh, 19. I'm lying. 18, 19. I said 9. That's bad writing. Hear then the parable of the sorrow. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. He likes to tell you ideas. He likes to slip in lies, half-truths. Or come and snatch the word. And that's even if it's in your own heart, right? But there's a difference. We'll get to this next week when we talk about the formation flywheel. Devil can't snatch something that's deep in your heart. That's hidden in your heart. That's why the word in Psalms says, hide the word of God in your heart. If it's on the surface level, if it's near the top, 
if you haven't gotten it into the depths of your soul, it'll get snatched. It'll get snatched. I'm telling you. I have the word. The devil comes when you're vulnerable. Tim talked about it a few weeks ago. The acronym HALT. I like to say HALT. When you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired, or when you're anxious. That's the other one. Or HALT. We can just use yours, right? HALT, halt is that. Stop them. Stop them. Okay? One of the things he also comes is to offer comfort and ease. Comfort and ease. Do it in your own timing. He comes to Jesus and he says, turn these stones to bread. Now there's no law against them. That's not a sin at all. What he's telling Jesus when he's tempting him is manufacture your success by your hands, not by God's. He wanted to substitute something that was not meant to nourish him for the thing that God wanted to nourish him with. If God wanted bread to be there, God would have put a loaf of bread on the ground. The devil will come to offer comfort and ease. Do it on your own timing. Right now. This whole thing about this economy, this world of right now that we live in, in scripture, God is most talked about as a what? A gardener. Nothing happens in the garden right now. Ask Eric. That man has been doing gardens for years, right? It takes time, right? The second most living thing that's talked about in the Bible beyond humans are trees. Abide in me. I am the vine. God is a gardener. This whole right now economy that you're pushed to, hold it up for what it is. God is a gardener. Nothing happens right now. It happens in seasons. It happens over time. Don't let these ideas become things that shape you. How do we defend against it? How do we defend against it? Because we got to play defense, man. Defense wins championships. <laughs> defense wins championships. Oh, man. You know, I was thinking about the other day, too, really quick. I'm going to go on time. Keep going. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. People got kids like Dante. Man, y'all ain't going anywhere anyway. It's cold outside. It's snowing. You know, we'll just, we'll just hang out together. Right? You have to warm up your car for 15 minutes anyway. So you might as well just stay here, okay? Okay. Uh, anyone familiar with intentional grounding? Football? It is the worst of the common fouls. And it's so funny that it's called intentional grounding because it's like the most unintentional act that you have in football. Typically, when someone is called for intentional grounding, they're trying to avoid the rush, which, by the way, Chase Young, Redskins, 6'5", 260, runs a 4'5", jumps 40 inches. That's who they're trying to avoid. But you got to do that 
You got to get outside of an imaginary tackle box, which they don't put lines out there. There's no AR, VR telling you where the tackle box is. You got to get outside of the pocket. You got to throw it beyond the line of scrimmage while these people are trying to tackle you. You have to not throw it to the other team, which by the way, these guys are getting paid too. You have to throw it in a direction of a 10 by 10 box of where there's another receiver. Okay. Then you, get, you do it, you mess up, they say intentional grounding. Okay, that makes me so angry because it's the least intentional thing. And if it's within two minutes, there's a 10 second runoff. And it's not just a 10 yard penalty, it's a spot foul. Did y'all watch the end of that game where the Ravens collapsed? The end of the game, ball got snapped over their head. Lamar Jackson running back. He turned the throws it, lost it down. No one else was watching that? Okay. Dante, your idea is getting shaped a lot by football. Okay. You need to get back into word. Okay? All right. But it's so funny. That's how I feel about our spiritual formation sometimes. If we work so hard, we try so hard, there's all these forces that are coming against us that are so strong, it's so nebulous, but yet we feel like we keep going backwards. We feel like we try our best to avoid the penalty. And we get flagged anyway. I don't know, that was just on my mind last night while I was thinking about this. Anyway. Let me stop. Okay. James chapter 1. Is, is everybody there? James chapter 1 verses 12. Blesses the man who remains steadfast on a trial. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For he cannot be tempted, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he tempts himself. He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Okay, how do we defend Jesus? First thing, recognize the coverage. Recognize the coverage. Recognize what they're doing to you. When you're being tempted, that's not from God. Understand that, first thing. Preach not read. This from God is this not from God. This temptation is not coming from God. Put back to Genesis 3. You don't got to put that with me. I'm going to put there myself. Okay? Here we go. Where are we at? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that it, the tree was to be desired. That was her own desire. To make one wise. The devil will tempt you, will lure you to your own desires. Recognize the coverage. Okay. Second thing, we've got to practice the fundamentals. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, that's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us, this Lord, give us today, Lord, our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into. Deliver us from the. We've got to practice fundamentals. It's in that prayer. Because the devil will tempt you daily. This isn't a thing where he's going to come back. It's going to be some other time. Practice your fundamentals daily. Put it in your basic prayer. 53 words in the English translation. Put it in your rotation. Practice the fundamentals. Pray daily for deliverance. 
Pray daily for deliverance. After Jesus got done through all the temptation of the devil, it says he will come back when the time is what? Opportune. It didn't say the devil just left. I'll see you later at the end. He said, I'm going to be back. He will be back. Work on your craft. Practice your fundamentals. Avoid the one-on-ones. The one-on-one seat, single coverage. First Peter 5, 8 through 9 says the devil is like a lion. Searching, roaming for whom he should destroy. Okay, I don't know about you. I used to have these getting these arguments with people back in the day. Like, what would you do if you had to fight a lion? <laughs> Bible calls us sheep. Don't fight it. <laughs> That's just, it's just, you're not winning. Avoid the one-on-ones. Be in community. Have accountability. Have transparency. Send love to hide. One of the amazing things about why sin is so rampant in our phones, on our lives, because the only thing it knows about what you search, Google's claims it know. They know. All right, other than Google, let's take them out of there, okay? <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to get on Signal, right? Encrypted messaging. Any of you guys who are meta know what I'm talking about. Let me stop. Um, but it's your history. <laughs> you in the browser, your search history. Send loves to hide. Avoid the one-on-ones. Because when you get one-on-one with the devil, I don't think we'll be as good as Jesus. I don't think we'll be as good as Jesus. Avoid the single coverage. You get Julio Jones, one-on-one, with a sheep. That's a touchdown, baby. <laughs> Keep your eye on the ball. Jesus walks on water in Matthew 14. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. When you begin to look at other things, you're going to sink. Luckily, Jesus was there. Pick him back up. When his eyes were focused on him, he was walking on water. Am I still on, get Okay. When his eyes were on Jesus, he was walking on water. Keep your eyes on the ball. Don't, feel, don't fear failure. Luke 22, 31 through 34. Mm. Mm. This is where I was talking about the devil wanted to sift him. Whew. Don't get sifted, man. Simon, Simon, be told. Satan demanded to have you. This is at the Last Supper. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Okay. And when you have turned again, Jesus already knew that Satan was going to tempt him. And that he was going to mess up and he was going to turn again. Okay. He already prayed for him. I love that Jesus is praying for us. That's an incredible thing. That's amazing. 
that Jesus was already praying for Peter. And it says when he had sinned and he came back, he said he wept. He cried. He was repentant. He was remorseful. But then he said, Simon Peter, it's on you. I'm going to build my church. Leave the last play behind you. Okay? Leave the last play behind you. You will fail. You will fall to temptation. Jesus already knows it. He said, so when you turn, what? Again, in this scripture, come back. Come back. I already know you're going to mess up. Visualize the end of the game and hosting the trophy. Man, Revelation 20, 7 through 10. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and so forth where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Visualize the end of the story. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Visualize the end of the game. Visualize the victory. We're not praying for victory. We're praying from it. Christian. We're not praying for victory, we're praying from it. Visualize the end of the story yeah. and you holding up the trophy. Yeah. And I'll end with this. Next week we're going to get into more of this. But Jesus says there's a very clear pattern of how we are to be shaped into the image of Jesus. At the beginning of all the Gospels, he says, follow me. Three of the four. Follow me. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Follow me. Then, being a servant leader, he teaches them. And then he goes out and does all of the things himself. Then in Matthew 10, what does he do with the apostles? He sends them out. Follow me. Learn from me. Go do it. Then some things had to happen there. Then in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples. We're not called to just be hearers of the word, but doers. You can't think your way into spiritual formation. Our Western society wants us to become more intellectually thoughtful. Be able to defend your faith. You gotta live that thing out. God is calling us to act. We're not gonna be about them captions, we're gonna be about that action. Okay? Being filled with the Spirit, being surrounded by the body, being light in the darkness. That's what we're called to be. We have authority over the devil. Resist him and he will flee. But most of all, guard our hearts. For out of the heart, everything flows. Proverbs 4.23. Jeremiah 17.9 says what? 
The heart is deceitful above all else. When the world tells you to follow your heart, that's a bad idea. Go follow your heart. No, guard your heart. First, the most important thing. Your heart is deceitful. We'll get into that next week. And when given the choice between life and death, life from God, and then power, but also certain death, choose life. You have two trees in front of you. You can follow the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, or you can follow Jesus who came that you may have life and life abundantly. Make the choice. It is a choice. We're going to get into habit formation next week. Your habit shape your heart, and your heart shape who you are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and your strength. We've got to reform our minds, and then we've got to do it. We've got to do it. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Let's pray really quick. Lord, we thank you for sending your son. Your word says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Lord, the things that we see is not all that there is. We are a part of a larger story that's being written. That your kingdom, how God became king, how you invaded this earth, how you came into enemy territory to save us all. And God, I pray that on that day, when Christ is revealed, when you become appearing on the clouds, that my life, who is hidden in you, who is hidden in you, will truly appear. That we would see the true selves that we were always meant to be. Lord, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. May we stand firm in our faith. May we rest on your word alone, and not the ideas that the world tries to feed us, to become our own gods. But trust in you, Lord, the true God, our only hope and our only Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.